You ready? Yeah. You ready? All right, hold on. Here we go. going on everyone alex miller here at the eagle we're here in the studio we're adding more we're adding it's, more it's it's a work in progress it, we're it developing really is here. It, it we're we're entering maybe stage two uh we're getting there we got the tv down we got some audio boards we got a little bit of it, it's kind of look the aesthetic is coming along okay <laughs> Travis was talking about that earlier. Uh, we're, we're working on it, so you, you're, it's almost ready for you to shoot your TikTok videos in here. Yes, your dance videos. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm not the console baseball team, but I could probably do TikTok. <laughs> All right, I'm joined by Travis Brown and Robert Cessna, the Eagle. What's going on, everyone? Cease, it's your first time in our studio. Uh, I've always wanted to know what a man cave looked like, so I guess <laughs> this is about as close as I'm going to get. This is this is Dave McDermott, the legendary photographer's old Ooh. studio. How different does this look now than the last time you saw it when McD was here? I think the last time I was in here with that, the cops were here too, so I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, I think on Saturday we uh, saw some football over at the place where the Aggies played. Or some, like, Frisbee golf. The yeah, wins seriously. Yeah, but A&M had their spring game on Saturday. Uh Obviously, the the biggest question people were wanting to ask and see were about the quarterbacks and how they play. Uh, you two were there. You know, what'd you kind of see from from the three guys going going for the Aggie starting job? Well, I think you got to hit on the weather because the wind just kind of totally disrupts to me any semblance of a spring game because. People ask me, what were you going to look at before? I was going to look at the quarterbacks. I wanted to see how they threw the 18-yard down and out. I wanted to see how they threw the seam ball. I wanted to see how they threw deep. I wanted to see how they threw the back shoulder. So all those throws were affected by the weather. And even the receivers, you know, I thought it afterwards when Jimbo complained about the receivers with the drops, which was true. Think about it. You're a receiver. You're so used to turning the ball being right there. Well, you turn. You didn't know where the ball was going to be because of the weather. So I, I even give the receivers a pass. I think the the wind really played havoc with, with the game. Yeah, I think that uh, that was a big factor. Definitely the wind. I think the other big factor was how many guys on defense were injured. So it was it was kind of hard to get a good look to get a good feel of what that defense was going to look like with how many guys were injured, and you already know that they're going to take it a little bit light on defense. They're not going to hit quite as hard as they might in, in the season. So it's hard to tell there, but there was some guy that's injured, and I wanted to see how uh, Evan Stewart, the freshman wide receiver, was going to do, and he did pretty well. Yeah, he had seven catches over 100 yards. I think he was targeted, what, 14 times? 13 times. 13 mm-hmm. times. I mean, they were clearly trying to get him the ball. He had the spring game and made the impact we all thought DeMond Demas w- would make when he got here. And I think, once again, it shows that a and reaching a point. You get enough four-stars and five-star guys, you're going to get those results. Everybody just was googly-eyed over Demas because he was like that first five-star you know, star wide receiver uh, probably since Kirk or something. I mean, it's been a while. And then to be a total bust. He was basically a total bust. Uh, and we know we're pro- you're, we're going to see that again in some you know star five five star guys, but for the most part, that's what you expect a five star guy to do. What 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 he did, what what the what the lineman did. He looks so good on defense. Uh, do, do blank right now that. Uh, oh, Fadil Diggs. 
Uh, no, the other, the other guy that came in, another five-star lineman that looks. Oh, a Lucas. 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 I'm just saying, is that that's what you expect five-star guys to do? And I think uh, Demas was like one of a kind. He was that first guy. Well, now we're going to see those five-star guys all the time. So you're going to see a guy look like a five-star athlete when he when he does that down across. Which Stewart Stewart looked like a man out there. Mm-hmm. See, I w- I'm interested to see. I know the the weather conditions were rough. Uh, it was hard to throw. It looked like like a little bit more like frisbee golf at times. What did you see out of those quarterbacks? Who did you feel like had the edge? Well, but believe it or not, if you put a gun to my head and said for that day, I would have gone with Johnson. I just I liked his his presence in the pocket. Now you also got to remember, the guy started fourteen SEC games, most of them in the West. And, and, you know, they didn't think he was going to be the answer at LSU, but then guys got hurt and he ended up, you know, I, I don't think he's the leader. I think, you know, Hanks King's got to be the leader just when you consider, you know, I'm a betting man and that's been Jim, kind of been Jimbo's guy and I expect him to be the starting quarterback. But when you got a guy like Johnson there, it's only going to be better for everybody. Then you look at Wagman or Wigman or however he pronounces his name, Connor, once he gets a little more experience, you can see why Jimbo thinks he's good. Bottom line is, it's just like us right now. you got A, B, and C. 1A, 1B, 1C. Jimbo's got that. And I, I never felt they had that. In, in, you know, in Bust the Soul, you know, he might have beaten Alabama last year, Calzada. But to me, Calzada never looked like he had that it factor. Now, maybe he'll go and do great, great at Auburn. But I think all three of those guys – have the potential to have the it factor. And we actually saw Haynes King have that it factor when he's been flashing out there. And I think Johnson has it too. Yeah, Travis, I think last week we kind of talked, me, you, and Zach, about, all right, what's kind of your pre-spring game pecking order? I think we all the consensus was that Haynes King was the favorite with Johnson in the middle, Connor Wegman at three. Do you stand by that, or what? What? what, What's your rankings now after seeing the three of them go out in the spring game? You know, I'd have to agree with Cease there. I think Max Johnson had the better poise. You know, Jimbo Fisher talks a lot about when he's looking at which guy he's going to name the starting quarterback, which guy commands the the respect, the attention, who can run the offense, who can um, have the most poise in the huddle. It seemed like that was Max Johnson, and again, he has that experience over uh, more experience of that over Haynes King and of course Connor Wegman. I just think Max Johnson looked a bit, little bit better. And if you want to look at his numbers and what he was able to do, he was doing that behind what seems to be the second string offensive line and the second string or even third string wide receivers. So there is a little bit of something to that because he was on the white team and the maroon team was mostly the uh, the, the kind of the guys that you think might be that, that starting lineup. So I, I think that Max Johnson might have a little bit of an edge, but like C said, there is more time in the playbook. Haynes King was the guy last year. It's hard to say that Jimbo is going to go in a different direction after he made that choice last year, but but it is, I mean, this is about as competitive mm-hmm. of a quarterback battle, at least that we've had since I've been here, um, because, I mean, it was pretty, when I got here, it was Trevor Knight, hands down, and then you had the, uh, the Kellen Mon Calzada, and while, I mean, maybe at the time that seemed pretty competitive, I think we kind of come to realize, excuse me, Nick Starkle, uh, that we've come to realize that that wasn't maybe as, as close as, as we thought. So I, I, this seems as 
competitive as it's been. Without a doubt, and I have those moments and I'm driving around and call it a senior moment. I laugh to myself. I go, it's almost like having Kyler Murray and, and, and Allen around, like you got two future NFL quarterbacks. And of course, that didn't, that didn't turn out too well, but I like the talent. And I like, like, you know, if you're sitting there, Jimbo, he, he can't pick a loser. He's, he's got really three winners, and I'm putting Wigman or Wagman back because he, he just ain't going to do it as a true freshman, not when you got two guys like that. So to me, it's a two-man race, and he's not going to lose. Whoever wins, and I hate to say it, last year I felt that, you know, while Calzada threw a deep ball, it was going to be Haynes. We all thought it was going to be Haynes. I would still say going in, it's going to be Haynes, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was Johnson. So what I've seen... So once again is, and that's what Jimbo wants. Every position he wants where if he picks a guy, maybe maybe 40% of the of the Aggie fans are saying, wow, the other guy's better. It's a nice problem to have. Yeah, you know, and a couple of things that stood out to me, just it seemed like with Wigman, they they were kind of running some more advanced concepts with him, going downfield, running out, opening the playbook. You can tell that Jimbo can see the talent and the potential that he has, and he's trying to catch him up to speed if, in fact, he would have to enter the game. Uh, definitely not treating him like a typical true freshman, it seems. And, you know, I think on that first drive was when Haynes King had the option keeper and took it in for the touchdown. I mean, that seemed to be the element that Jimbo and AM players were talking about. Hey, this is going to be a part of this offense this year and just was not there once Haynes got injured and Calzada was the quarterback. And how about Max Johnson kind of st- strutting down the field? <laughs> a little little bit of an ugly stride, <laughs> i got to say it. But, you know, that that's something that I don't really think he necessarily flashed at LSU. And so, you know, knowing that Haynes King has the ability to do that, I mean, uh, certainly something you could maybe at least – look at as something Johnson could have as well. Something I noticed with Johnson, and you can correct me on this because you probably have a little bit more of an eye for this than I do, is is it seemed like with Johnson, and maybe with Tahane's King with some extent, they were running a lot more RPO concepts than maybe they have in the years past. I know Jimbo Fisher, especially last year, there wasn't necessarily a whole lot of RPO built into their offense, and it's something that isn't quite pro style, but it seemed like there was a lot of that run pass option bootleg kind of concepts going on. Again, it's the spring game. They're going to throw a lot of vanilla stuff out there because they're not going to give away their whole playbook and they're not even have installed their whole playbook yet. But I'll be interested to see that, especially with maybe not having quite the one-two punch potentially at running back uh, with Isaiah Spiller gone, if that RPO kind of system might be something that ekes its way in a little bit more. Yeah, you know, and you, you mentioned the receivers and just the drops, but Two things that stood out to me on that. One, even though it was so windy, they were still throwing it downfield, which shows they want to do that and probably feel they have the personnel to do that, both at quarterback and receiver. The other thing, too, was when they caught the ball, there were some catch and runs. I mean, you think about Jalen Preston coming over the middle and then running for the touchdown. That's really something we haven't really seen from AM receivers, whereas, you know, you look at Alabama, how many times do they hit one of those guys on an eight yard slant and 10 seconds later, they're in the end zone. Lights are going off with fireworks. I mean, that's just something A&M hasn't necessarily had at receiver, per se. Guys that can, you know, catch the ball and run and take off, make big plays. Well, I think it's back to this. If you're going to recruit five-star wide receivers, you got to use them. And, and I think, it's to me, it's a little bit like, let's wait and see. But, you know, Nick Saban was a defensive-minded guy. And about five years ago, 
he got around Lane Kiffin and said, I, I need to score. You know, I need to score. So he changed. I think we're going to see that change in Jimbo. Maybe not as drastic, but I think he wants to be able to outscore people if he has to by 35, 40 points, where I think he was born on that, I'm going to win a game 28, 21, 28, 20. I'm going to control the clock. We saw that. He didn't like his defense, wanted to keep him off the field. I just think you're seeing that he wants to bring all five-star guys in there just like, you know, uh, you look at some of the quarterbacks early in uh, Saban's career at Alabama weren't that great, you know, as far as pro prospects, but suddenly he's changed everything. I think Jimbo, when he says he's going to throw the ball downfield, he said that in the postgame, and I think he is. I think they're going to look – they're going to score, want to score every time they have the ball. And I know maybe it's drastic. It'll be interesting to see what happens when he plays that first big game. But I think Jimbo's going to change a little bit. Yeah, and one, one more thing on the defense. You know, Travis, you mentioned how many guys were out in the secondary. Uh, a young guy that we've heard a lot about is Bryce Anderson at safety. And, you know, he was running out there with that first-team defense. Just from watching him play, even though you're getting guys like Antonio Johnson and Jalen Jones and – Tyreek Chappelle back it's kind of it, it looks like it might be hard to keep that guy off the field just with the way that he's playing right now well if you move Antonio Johnson to safety there's going to be a little bit of competition for that nickelback position and right that could be a spot where he gets himself onto the field I'll be interested to see I think Antonio Johnson is a piece there to see where he ends up lining up when when it's all all said and done and and who can slot into that nickelback position yeah it, it really wouldn't surprise me to see them kind of do that matchups I mean I look back you look back at the Arkansas game last year where Traylon and Burks just dusted AM that first half. They put they put Antonio Johnson on him that second half. That he had like one catch. Mm -hmm. So Cease, did you uh, the other thing to, to notice, and, and I will also admit to the fact that I had to bail at halftime to go cover AM <laughs> baseball, so you got to see the whole game. How different, or did you notice any difference in the defense with uh DJ Durkin? there over Mike Elko? Because to me, on just kind of first blush, first glance, you might not have necessarily even known that Mike Elko was gone with the way that the defense kind of looked. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, I can't answer that question, and if I would, I'd be lying. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I, I was focusing on the wide receivers. Yeah. I was focusing on the quarterbacks, and I have no idea. I, I, once again, is I think what Elko laid the foundation here, I think, you know, whoever you are, you're walking into a great situation. You guys touched on it. They're going to have better chances to match up. The defensive line should be able to put more pressure on. I mean, just everything that, uh, you know, is able to be laid under Elko, Durkin should be able to go ahead and fine-tune it and get a lot of the props. Now, we li I like the way all the guys said that defenders kind of smiled and chuckled, and they liked the things about Durkin. You don't think Jimbo's not going to hire a guy that's going to continue what was here, and he made a point of that. So I have no idea what a, what a Durkin defense looks like, but we're, we're going to eventually see it, and all the pieces are there. Like you mentioned, Anderson, it was hard not to notice him. Uh, it's hard not to notice these other guys that they have, and they have enough of them now that maybe they won't have that one wink link. It'd be a little bit like an Alabama. Okay, who are you going to pick on? But it seemed like in the last couple of years, there was always one or two guys, if you're the uh, opposition, you could pick on that they maybe weren't that strong. Or you could even count on O'Neill making a stupid penalty or something. I mean, I, I think they'll do away with that. Once again, competition will eliminate some of those little mistakes. For sure. Well, let's kind of pivot here. We got Cease in the house, of course. So let, let's talk a little women's basketball. You know, AM hired Joni Taylor last month. 
to replace the legendary Gary Blair. Uh, it's been what about a month mm-hmm. since that's gone down? You know what? What what are you kind of assessing with the state of A and M women's basketball right now, Cease? You know, it's a little bit like, and I've had a couple emails. It's a little bit like, you know, the hangover after the party or whatever. Okay, the Gary Blair tour is over. You know, he's gone. Uh, There's a lot of positive things about Gary Blair's final year, but none of them are on the court. When you think about it, it, w- it was really a bad year. And, and the reality of it is you're sitting here now, when you look at both a and basketball programs, they've reversed. Uh, I saw t- two top 25 uh, polls this week going into the season. Uh, A&M men were in one. They were in the next five out in the other one. You see the women's two women's poll, A&M women are anywhere to be had. After being up there for like 17, 14, 15 years in a row, A&M's been ranked, they're not in there. Uh, why would you be in there when you tied for 12th? So here Yoni Taylor comes in. The party's over. She has, we don't know if she's hired any assistants yet. We don't know, to our best of our knowledge, no transfers in yet, nobody leaving yet. It's been very quiet on the Western front. But time's ticking. Because I, I saw, like, the best player in Mississippi State went, went to Tennessee. So there are moves being made, and you're already taking over a team. You're taking over from a legend, a guy who won a national championship, but you're taking over the 12th place team in the SEC. So the fact that Johnny, Johnny Taylor hasn't talked to us or been out talking, hopefully she's working because she's got work to do. Because she didn't take over. She took over a great program, but the team wasn't good. And you know, no matter how you say how good those girls are, I only got a banquet coming up here this week. It was just a tough season on the court. Now, how much of that was because of Gary Blair's last year? I don't know. Would things have been different if it wasn't Gary Blair's? It's that little thing. Well, I got two A's in college. One course was in logic. Logic, we don't know. We don't know what would happen. I'm, I'm only. I'm so illogical. I am logical. But Joni <laughs> Taylor. Come September, whatever it is, she better be ready to go because the men are going to be flying higher with, with what Buzz did down the stretch. And if people are going to want to see a repeat of what Gary Blair did, but she took over a 14 and 15 team that lost three 1,000-point scores. So Miss Taylor, Mrs. Taylor has got work to do. When you mentioned it being quiet on the Western Front as far as ingoings and outgoings, transfer portal. I know you won't know what that plan is, but I mean, this is a team that that probably needs to add some pieces from from what they were able to do last year, correct? Well, when you look at it, because not one, I, I, there's no need to c- criticize somebody like Kayla Wells and, and Destiny Pitts, but they didn't have the kind of senior years they thought they would. I mean, Wells had some good numbers, but they just couldn't get over the hump and win big games. So you had what you thought was a Sweet 16 team. And they fell woefully short, and the three of the key components of that team are gone. So you're right. Whether it's on, whether it's one of those guys that need, one of those girls need to step up. You've got to be a lot better next year at a lot of positions. And now, do you do that internally? Because I've seen that. I've seen some girls go. For a good example, is Jordan Nixon was obviously hurt this year physically. She lost a step. And when you're a point guard that your whole game is based on quickness, you can't be losing a step. So if she comes back, because supposedly she had a knee cleaned out or whatever, if she comes back 
herself and you got a all-conference point guard, suddenly you became a lot better. So it can, it can move quickly because basketball is five. But you're right. Whether it's in-house or out-house, well, out-house, well, yeah. you've got to get better in about three or four of those five spots. Or you're going to have another average season. Well, Travis, I think we'd be remiss not to have a little baseball talk. Yeah, sure. baseball. Sure. Uh, A&M goes to Georgia this weekend, A big, another big matchup, trying to stack series wins uh, for the first time in SEC play this year. Uh, Jim Schlossingle is going to mix things around a little bit in the starting lineup. He's going to go with a Detmer in Dallas as the bookends like he has, but he's going to replace Ryan Prager, and that could be an option of Chris Cortez. It could be Will Johnson, or it could be Jacob Palish, who's been – pretty much their most consistent arm out of the bullpen. They stretched Cortez in the Saturday game against Kentucky where they ended up losing and they were down by a lot to, to see how he managed going through the order. I think he ended up going through three times, uh, but how he ended up going through a second time and a third time. And what they noticed was he's been working all season on his slider and that breaking ball actually started finding, finally starting started to hit. Um, which means he's now really a three-pitch pitcher. And in the SEC, you've got to have at least three pitches to be a starter and make it through the lineup uh, one or two times. He is probably their strongest arm in the bullpen. So I'm leaning towards the fact that even though they would be a three-righty rotation, um, he might be your best option because he does have a good pitch mix. He does have that mid to upper 90s speed that um, – will give him a little bit of an advantage. And I don't think you want to take Jacob Palish out of the bullpen, who's been about as consistent as anyone has been in that bullpen uh, through the season, even though he is the senior um, and does have some starting experiences in the past. The other option is bringing in a lefty, Will uh, Johnston, who has been their midweek starter since Christian Curtis went out injured. Um, he, he threw two innings uh, uh, last night, because we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, at a&M Corpus Christi threw about 30 pitches. So it would probably be with 30, 30 pitches, that's right on the border of could you bring him back or not. And if you brought him back, you're probably still maybe looking at a bullpen game on Saturday because he probably couldn't give you seven innings. So I would think if they want to go to Johnson in the future, they might slip uh, Cortez uh, Palish in for this Saturday, throw somebody else on Tuesday. That They just don't have enough depth at starting pitcher right now. And to try to with Christian Curtis going out injured with Jonathan Childers being injured with he ha having starting uh, pitching uh, experience in the past uh, it, it's it's a tough situation for Jim Slosnagel because not only do you have to balance a weekend rotation but then you got to find a Tuesday guy and they're having to use some of these Tuesday guys into the bullpen on the weekend because they just don't have enough arms right now so it's it's a tricky situation I would think I, I think. I would probably keep Will Johnson in that Tuesday role because he's done a pretty good job there and then go ahead and slip Cortez in on Saturday, even though that's a you're not getting that righty-lefty mix. But Micah Dallas, uh, Nathan Detmer have been two, two strong guys, and th th their bats have been, have been on. They've been being able to hit the ball. Um, I think they have the second-best batting average in the SEC coming into the series. So... Um, It'll be a good test, and if they can start stacking series on each other, um, that'll that's the, that's moving in the right direction of stacking series wins on top of each other. 
Yeah, and uh, let's also not come back on Tuesday. They play Dallas Baptist, mm-hmm. which is a ranked team. I want to ask you a question since we're on baseball. A lot of news this week about Tennessee deciding to go with wooden bats. <laughs> and what I'm asking you about, you've got a lot of history with Jim Schlossnagel. The rest of us don't. Has he ever done that, had a game where, like, for fun and have the guys hit all wooden bats? Has he done something crazy like that or not? No, and I don't even, you know, I know – the guys you have wood bats around that they can go use to hit in the cage. Wood bats, of course, for a long time have been used by guys in college, even though they use metal bats, because naturally the, the sweet spot is smaller on the wood bat. So you know if you've hit one off the end of the bat or you've hit one off the handle. Whereas a metal bat, and granted, the metal bats now are a little bit deader than they ever have been, but you can hit one off the end, you can hit one off the hands and still bloop it into uh, for a base hit. You go into the cage with a wooden bat and you're, you're actually working on barreling up that baseball and getting it right on the sweet spot every time. So that's been something that college guys have done all the time. But with Jim Schlossnagel, you don't really see that much outside of the batting cage. Um, even when they do BP, they're using the bats that they use in the game, um, and, and they're, they're not doing the whole wood switch. So, of course, you're not. there's never been an instance where I've known of that they've switched and done a whole wood. I've actually never heard of that anywhere, at least in my time following college baseball, where a team has said, we're so confident and cocky that we're going to go out there and beat a team with wood bats. I mean, that is that is just lining you right up for failure to be a punchline like they are today. And, and it it is an interesting conversation that people have had about how well they're hitting the ball this year that there is maybe they're using cooked bats, maybe they're, you know, the bats are a little bit hot or something. And I, I don't see how that could even be possible with the fail-safes they have, and they, they check all of the bats, and they put these stickers on. There's a whole system that goes into the beginning of a season, or it's a series, uh, how they, they use these bats. I just I don't see how that's possible. I think Tennessee is just a really good team this year. On top of the bats, their closer, who throws like 102 miles per hour. <laughs> yeah. That is a championship-quality caliber team, and uh, I think that they're going to probably make some, some noise. Nobody's buying bats or nobody's buying players. They're just out playing games. <laughs> All right. Hey, I, I got to mention, for those of you watching on the, the, the video, but if you're not, I think Cease came in here thinking this podcast was going to suck, so he brought his straw with him uh, right right away. So, you know, hopefully we over overshot those expectations. That's the last straw. We're out of here. And any complaints can still be emailed to robert.cessna at theeagle.com. Mm-hmm. All right. Have we covered our bases, fellas? Whoa! Hey, there we go. Yeah, yeah. All right. Be sure to check theeagle.com for all of our coverage of AM Sports, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Myaga Nation podcast. It seems like every day, everything just has a way, the way the must have seen. But if we don't watch what we're doing, our hearts will get ruined by silly things. Good loving needs a girl, we know that's true. But if we want to keep it, we got to watch everything that we do. Yeah, yeah. Don't want to make sure my baby, make sure you're sticking with me. I wanna make sure that we'll be on